ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى على نبينا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه واتباعه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد احبتي في الله اوصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله عز وجل if you were to pay attention to the news on any given day or at any given time it's full of tragedy it's full of tribulation and most of us in our day-to-day lives don't even give that its due attention because our own lives are full of tests tribulation and tragedy as well but i'm standing here today because i wanted to remind everybody here that we have already as an ummah faced the greatest tragedy no matter what we face in our daily lives no matter what we hear about that is happening in other places in the world especially to the muslims we have already faced as an ummah the greatest musibah the greatest tragedy and in it there are powerful reminders but i wanted to focus on one in particular that we can take home with us and that we should really internalize and actualize what am i talking about i'm talking about the death of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we have just finished the month of rabi'l awwal and in that month a lot of us were very busy hearing about and listening to and talking about the birth of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam but many of us don't even realize that in that same month was when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also left this world now if any of you have lost a loved one and i can reasonably say that most of us if not all of us have gone through it it's normal it's natural it's human but if you've ever lost a loved one you know that no matter what signs exist prior to that happening you cannot be ready for it you can never prepare fully you know that as much as you try to prepare when that moment hits you can never really be ready that's natural that's normal that's human but as you can imagine when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam breathed his last how did that impact his beloved companions the sahaba radiyallahu anhum they really really lived the way of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and so they really really loved the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam their iman was at the top and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in talking about iman said la yu'minu ahadukum hatta akuna ahabba ilayhi min walidihi wa waladihi wan nasi ajma'in none of you truly believes until i become more beloved to that person then their parent then their child or then all people and so that's something that we look up to when we try to achieve but that is something that the sahaba actually had 
And so if you've lost a loved one, whether it be a child, whether it be a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, a close friend, no matter who you've lost, no matter what you went through, no matter what you felt, it was nothing comparable to what each and every companion of the Prophet ﷺ went through, especially those who were closest to him. And Allah did give signs, many signs that that time would come to ease the blow. But as I said, there's no way to truly ease the blow. It started in the Battle of Uhud, many, many years before the actual incident when the Prophet ﷺ passed away. The Prophet ﷺ was physically injured. And somebody resembling him also was killed in that moment, in that battle. Until a rumor spread out, it was called on to the battlefield, Qutila Muhammad, that Muhammad has been killed. And upon hearing those words, Quraysh roared, they, they cheered. And that shook the hearts of the Sahaba. Many of them could not continue forward. They dropped their arms and they sat on the ground. One of them even saying, if the Prophet is gone, then what do we have to live for thereafter? Can you imagine being in such a, a dangerous situation, but even still, you know, you're not gonna, you, it's not even about your own survival anymore. They love the Prophet more than they love their own self. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made that as a training for what is to come. And there were many other signs, more and more, as the, the incident came closer. The Prophet ﷺ, standing on the mimbar, gave many hints. He didn't say so directly, because that would just hurt. He also was given ayat of Qur'an that were indirectly talking about his death. Something we recite regularly, Surah Al-Nasr. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إذا جاء نصر الله والفتح ورأيت الناس يدخلون في دين الله أفواجا فسبح بحمد ربك واستغفره إنه كان توابا The rough translation of those verses is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was giving glad tidings to the ummah, to the believers, to the Prophet of a victory. A victory that they had been chasing for all those many years of persecution in Mecca and all of the challenges of Medina, that victory was coming. And because of that, almost everybody rejoiced. But you had one or two sahaba, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, they cried when they heard these verses because they understood it to mean that if the victory has been achieved, if the goal has been attained, then the purpose for which the Prophet ﷺ has been sent is no longer there and therefore he will be returning to Allah. Plus, when we finish our salah, the first words that come out of our mouth are, Astaghfirullah. I seek Allah's forgiveness. And there's a command in this surah directly to the Prophet ﷺ saying, do tasbih, say subhanAllah, and also do istighfar, seek Allah's forgiveness. And so they immediately understood that to be the demise of the Prophet ﷺ. But as I said, no matter how much preparation is there, 
It is Allah's way that he has created us as such that we can never be ready for it. And so when the Prophet ﷺ got into that sickness that he never recovered from, and he slowly started losing his ability to speak, he had fevers so intense that Aisha radiallahu anha, who had her own share fair of fevers in her lifetime and has seen many, said, I've never seen anything like this. The Prophet ﷺ would be passing in and out. He was unable to go for salah and his house was attached to the masjid. He had, his, his, he had Ali radiallahu anhu holding him, literally lifting him with his shoulder along with Fadl ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah. Dragging him and the Prophet ﷺ's feet would be dragging in the sand. Sign after sign Allah sent. And on that morning when the Prophet ﷺ passed away, despite the signs, despite the preparation, that news, when it hit, it shook Medina. The entire city of Medina was in mourning that morning. The Prophet ﷺ was sitting in the lap of Aisha radiallahu anha, barely able to say a word, repeating, إِلَى الرَّفِيقِ الْأَعْلَى إِلَى الرَّفِيقِ الْأَعْلَى The highest companionship. And she knew because earlier the Prophet ﷺ did tell her that Allah had given him a choice of staying in the world or going to the highest companionship. So when he's repeating that, she knows it's happening. And so when the Prophet ﷺ was repeating this with astaghfirullah, with subhanallah, his hand dropped and his head slouched right against her neck. And like her father in the cave years ago during the hijrah, she did not move an inch for fear that maybe this isn't it, for hope that maybe he will still be with us longer. So she did not move because she thought maybe he's sleeping, I don't want to bother him. I don't want to disturb him even slightly. Until she felt something cold fall onto her. It was the saliva of the Prophet In that moment, he had passed away. Instead of freaking out, instead of getting hysterical, instead of running out of the house and screaming the news, tears just float down her cheek. And if you're married, you know what it's like to have that special close bond. Even if there's turmoil in marriage, sometimes it happens, there is no bond like marriage. But she did not just lose her husband in the moment. She lost the Prophet ﷺ. And she kept her cool. There was a knock on the door. She could have easily said, no thanks, don't come. It was Umar radiallahu anhu with Mughira radiallahu anhu. They wanted to visit the Prophet sallallahu because he used to visit them when they were sick. And so she covered up and gave them permission to enter. She would not deny them the virtue of visiting the sick, especially that visiting the Prophet sallallahu But she didn't say anything. And when they saw that the Prophet was motionless behind her. She covered him with a cloth. Mughira picked up on it really quickly and tried to steer Umar out. And Umar radiallahu anhu, he actually did lose his cool in many ways. He could not really internalize what was going on. He was a little bit, you can say, hysterical, and rightly so. But he still didn't do anything drastic. He got upset. He stood by the member and he said, if anybody is going to actually say that the Prophet ﷺ passed away, then I'll deal with him. And so people were afraid to say it. 
They didn't want to trouble Umar They didn't want to cross his path But that was enough to put everyone on heightened alarm More than normal And Abu Bakr was the one who came After sensing this A messenger went out to tell him Hey, something's happening here And so he hurried back He went into the house of his daughter The house of the Prophet وسلم, he, he lifted her face veil Saw the tears and immediately knew what had happened And he, he, he looked down at, the, at this blessed body of the Prophet he kneeled by his head he kissed his forehead and he said you were pure and good in your life and you're pure and good in your death and despite his own pain being the closest to the Prophet there when nobody else was there he made hijrah with the Prophet when everyone else was already gone despite being the closest to him he kept his cool the most. He didn't just sit quietly and cry like Aisha radiallahu anha did, which was remarkable by itself. She didn't do, he didn't do anything like some of the other Sahaba reacted. Instead, he calmly turned. He stepped out of the house of the Prophet He walked towards the member. And Umar radiallahu was standing there still in that frazzled state. And Abu Bakr was the first to address him. He said, Ya Umar, ijlis. Umar, sit down. And he didn't sit down. So again, Umar, sit down. And then Abu Bakr stood up on the member. The Prophet used to stand on the third step, but he only went to the second. Out of respect, out of honor, out of love. And despite his own pain, Despite what he was feeling, he turned around to face the people and he praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the same way that khutbahs normally start, in the same way that the Prophet used to do from that very spot. And he said his famous speech. He said, Man kana ya'budu Muhammadan fa inna Muhammadan qadamat, wa man kana ya'budu Allah fa inna Allah hayyun la yamut. He said, whosoever used to worship Muhammad, then know that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam has passed away. He said the words. And whosoever worships Allah, know that Allah is ever living and Allah never dies. He reminded everybody that it's not about their feelings. It's not about anything but Allah. And then he recited the same ayat that were revealed at the battle of Uhud. وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلُ أَفَإِمَّا تَأَوْقُتِلًا قَلَبَتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَقَابِقُمْ وَمَنْ يَنْقَلِبْ عَلَىٰ عَقِبَيْهِ فَلَنْ يَضُرُّ اللَّهَ شَيْئًا وَسَيَجِزِ اللَّهُ الشَّاكِرِينَ This is in Surah Al-Imran. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is basically saying, after this rumor came out on the battlefield and the Prophet was injured, and everybody thought he had passed away. That Muhammad وسلم, is not but a messenger. And other messengers preceded him and have passed away. And so if he is to be killed, or if he is to die, would you then turn on your heels? That is the essential meaning of those ayat. And the sahaba who heard that, they said it's as if I heard it for the first time and I've never heard it before. Umar said that my legs could not bear my weight anymore and he fell to the ground and he cried. Imagine such a strong grown man doing that. 
And when he cried, the masjid erupted with crying. And so much so that the people in the houses did not need a messenger to come and bear the same news. They knew right away from the intensity and the type of crying which they've never heard or seen before. All of Medina started to cry. The people in the household, they knew what was going on. And it was literally a morning of mourning. Because they didn't just lose a friend. Yes, the Prophet was the most friendly to everyone. So much so that they all thought that they were the most beloved to him and they had to ask him. They didn't just lose their teacher who, were, who was teaching them the simple things in life. He taught them everything in life because that's what this deen is about. Somebody who ate with them, joked with them. He was everything to the Sahaba radiallahu anhum and their iman was such that they really did love him more than they loved their closest relatives, more than they loved themselves. And that was the pain that they went through. But there's a lot to say about what happened thereafter. And I'll save that for the second khutbah. فَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده نبي الرحمة الذي بعث للناس كافة فصلى الله تعالى على نبينا محمد الصادق اللمين الذي بعث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وأصحابه وأتباعه أجمعين أما بعد إخوتي أخواتي في الله أصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله عز وجل In this discussion, in talking about the greatest tragedy that the ummah of the Prophet has ever faced there is such an important, critical powerful message in it. There are actually many. But the biggest one that I wanted to emphasize here is something that's actually we can use and need to use in our everyday life. From everything we do and everything we say, there's something in this scenario, in this incident that we need to understand and we need to internalize and we need to actualize in our day-to-day -day lives when it comes to dealing with tragedies, when it comes to dealing with anything, what is it? What is that thing? When you look at the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, I kept emphasizing that the Prophet was closer to them than anyone ever was or will be to us. And yet when they lost him, when they were there in that incident, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he passed away, they were hurt more than any of us could ever be hurt. Their emotions were at the peak. And though the Messenger ﷺ passed away, the message continued. The message continued without the Messenger ﷺ. And how? Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, who would have been hurt the most, did exactly what the Prophet ﷺ would have done and had set the example for in his lifetime. And that was more important than his personal pain. Aisha radiallahu anha, in narrating these events, and she's one of the biggest narrators of the events in hadith, because the Prophet ﷺ was under her care. 
She said that had it, I had it my way, then the wives of the Prophet would have washed the Prophet But what does that mean? That, that wasn't, she wasn't the one who washed the Prophet Ali radiallahu anhu did. Fadl ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu did. The male members of the family of the Prophet washed his body. So what does she mean by saying, had I had it my way, then this would have happened. She easily could have said it. But that's not the way things are normally done. That's not what the Prophet ﷺ had commanded. That's not the example that he set forward. So it's not my way or the highway. It's not my feelings and my pleasure, what pleases me. Every one of these Sahaba, عنهم, no matter whose example you take from, they're all saying the same things with their actions, which speak louder than words. They're saying, Allah's pleasure over my pleasure. As human beings, our feelings by nature change all the time in any given day. We will go through a number of feelings, whether we show it or don't. And that's natural, that's normal, that's nothing to stifle, that's nothing to hide from. It's real. But our feelings should not be what determined deen is or isn't. When it comes to the way of the Prophet ﷺ, the sunnah, for many of us it becomes, it's only sunnah. We disregard things because of our feelings, because it's too hard, or because we're not feeling like it. Sometimes we even define elements of deen as something that we understand from the Qur'an and sunnah, and anybody who doesn't follow that, then they're wrong, and we treat them really badly. That's far away from the way of the Prophet that's far away from this message. How could you condemn somebody for something that you feel which is going to change all the time? That's not what this deen is about. That is not ikhlas. If you were to take one thing from this incident, one word to summarize this entire incident, al-ikhlas is the one. And that one word, al-ikhlas, is something that is a theme throughout the entirety of the Qur'an. It is the very essence of the seerah, the life and the death of the Prophet ﷺ. And I'm telling you this as a reminder, which is by definition something you already know. But we need to hear it. And there's another point about ikhlas that is so crucial in the time and age we live in with all the cameras and all of the entertainment and all of the pleasures that we chase every day and night. Ikhlas is not just sincerity. That's how we translate it, sincerity. But the word in English does not carry the essential meaning that it carries in Arabic. If you have honey, honey usually has impurities in it, things that are mixed with it. And you were to remove those impurities, then you would say, khalus al-asl. Same root word. Ikhlas, you've done ikhlas of the honey, means you've removed everything of it Anything that is not honey has been removed from the honey so that you just got pure honey. And so when talking about ikhlas throughout the Qur'an and the sunnah, ikhlas is actually removing everything from our heart except Allah. It's an easy thing to talk about, very difficult to actually attain. It's the last thing that comes and it's the first thing to go. Ikhlas can't translate as sincerity. And if you look at the reality of it, Surat al-Ikhlas, something we all know. Surat al-Ikhlas does not even have the word Ikhlas in it. It's all about Allah. 
It's all about Allah. And if you look at the example of these Sahaba, in how they dealt with the greatest of things that could shake them emotionally, we need to recognize in our lives, whether it be things that have to do with things that are exclusively deen-related or everything else. But in our deen, everything else is deen, even the way we go to the washroom. And so when we're doing things, or saying things, or not doing things, or not saying things, the primary, the only thing that should be in our heart, the driving factor, despite our feelings, despite the circumstances, should only and always be Allah. And that's the take-home message of, of, of all of this. If you can take that home and work on that for at least a week, for a lifetime, ideally, that's what we need to do. Because when we translate it as sincerity, and we think of it as sincerity, we often think of it as just an equilibrium of our inner feelings and our outer actions. Somebody, you know, you talk, if somebody's going to talk bad about someone else, I'll tell it to his face. Meaning what? Yeah, my feelings, are, I'm putting them outside and they're for everyone. It's fine. It's the same thing, right? I'm not being hypocritical. That's not ikhlas. That's not about Allah. And so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us all ikhlas, to make a steadfastness on the message that the Messenger left for us to cling on to, which has an inward and an outward. May Allah make us steadfast on both of those so that when we do meet the Prophet he is pleased with us. And if he's pleased with us, how could Allah ever be displeased with anyone? اللهم اغفر للمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات أحياء منه الأموات اللهم رزقنا اتباع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ظاهرا وباطنا قولا وفعلا عبادة تفكرا وأخلاقا في كل شيء في كل مكان في كل زمان وفي كل حال اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم ذل الشرك المشكين اللهم ثبتنا على صراطك المستقيم الدين القويم الذي أرسلته ما رحمة للعالمين ربي صلي وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وتبعه وبارك عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وتبعه